right, welcome everybody to another episode of our Puget Systems Live Q&A show. Uh, I think we're going to be rebranding and changing the name soon, so I'll have a whole new pattern to have to memorize. Uh, this week we're joined by um, Nikki Sun, host and executive producer of Tech Nikki Speaking, um, along with another, a whole host of other hyphens and commas to, to add in there. Um, and you've, you've, you've like done interview shows you have your live show on on amazon now uh i, I even think you tie you're um partnered up with nab uh for a um a live event i think right yes we can talk about that there's also sure. some things i can't disclose oh, well yeah, of course of course i do think that was out there though i think you said uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, but just in case, I always like to start off, um, just in case anybody who doesn't know who you are, uh, go ahead and give yourself a little intro who you are and what you do. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you, Houston, for being a fabulous host. I'm so excited to be sharing a conversation with you today on just anything under the sun, literally, because my last name is Sun. But I am a host and filmmaker i like to say because it kind of shortens everything right like filmmaker mm -hmm. encompasses being a producer director editor cinematographer editor which i am all those things but when you usually introduce yourself like that to most people they're like there's no way you can't be both so my thing now is just i got you in front and from behind the camera whatever it is but i really do love people food and technology to the point where i feel like i had to create a separate account mm -hmm. and just like you i'm kind of like under this rebranding kind of thing right now where it's like am i gonna do an i just seen and eventually just kill all my other channels and just become nikki sun like that mm -hmm. is just kind of the thing that i'm kind of sitting on at the moment but but tech is such a huge part of of what drives me to create content but originally from the bay area i gotta represent my bay area roots and i'm currently residing in los angeles right now and yeah i run a tech channel i do a lot of freelance work of like with all the multi-hyphenate things that I mentioned earlier. And I'm so excited because as of this year, I just started a new tech show with Amazon uh, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific Center Tide, where I get to talk about tech uh, in the way that I choose for an hour with an audience that gets to come join me live and ask questions. And I really try my best to do anything uh, that provides value and educational content while also making it fun and entertainment or entertaining. So infotainment is kind of like my genre of things, but that's just a little bit about me in a nutshell. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. Awesome. Um, yeah, I was looking into, uh, some of your older content and I didn't, oh, I gosh. didn't go, well, no, <laughs> I didn't go real far back, but more just looking for how, how your content has kind of evolved and changed, um, over the years. And I noticed that it's, it, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, cause I, I admit I didn't, go super deep, super detailed, okay. but it seems like you, you started <laughs> off as um, almost a journalist, uh, kind of Q&A interview style um, content. And how did it evolve to where you are now? Wow. Well, I mean, I guess the core part of it is just seeing yourself represented on screen is such a huge deal. And, you know, more than 10 years ago, if I'm dating myself, uh, when I was in college, um, you know, it, 
we didn't have crazy rich Asians. We didn't have a lot of the shows, films that we see now on television. So it has come a long way. But when I was growing up, um, I didn't see anybody who looked like me on screen. And besides maybe news journalists, right? And sure. I started going down that route because there's no help wanted sign for these kind of roles. There's mm-hmm. really, um, you really just have to, Uh, kind of forge and create your own path. No one's telling you like they've seen it before, do it or encourage you. I actually caught a lot of um, hesitation and pushback when I was trying to pursue this from friends. They're like, I don't really see you as a host. There's no one that looks like you on screen. So you should probably just do something else. And it was hard um, to continue doing it. But I think again, like when you're choosing uh, what you want to do in life, your passion has to be that much stronger. Mm-hmm. And so for me, not seeing my people or my face or even just women uh, operating cameras um, on screen, it made me really want to find a niche for that, no matter how many people saw. Because if I had saw that as a young girl growing up, maybe it would have been an easier path for me to believe that was achievable. So, you know, to your question of when it started, like it really, the first time I ever got introduced to like the broadcast world was really in college. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't until my junior year, the very last corner uh, quarter of junior year, where I discovered that we actually had a student television station. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? Like, I've been studying communications. I minored in contemporary leadership and writing. I always had a passion for telling stories mm-hmm. um, and making sure that they were ethical and sensitive to whoever I was reporting about. But then I also was kind of like... I don't want to talk about sad stuff all the time. And not to say that news is like that, but it could kind of feel like that when you're constantly starting and joining. So I really had to um, find a way to make it my own. And then YouTube happened, right? And then we saw the rise of all the Asian American influencers now now that we're lovingly referred as, uh, or YouTubers, but we had the Kev Jumbas, the Ryan Higgas. And, you know, because we were are we are streaming also on YouTube, I can say this, and I know like people in the comments will know who I'm talking about. But when you don't see yourself on the main screen, you have to create your own channels. And that's what YouTube did for a lot of these creators. And they would come to our school, perform, but no one would know who they were. So I started oh. an interview show called Now You Know. It's still on my YouTube channel, Nikki's son's YouTube channel. But oh. I mean, you'll see stuff with my short hair. I had so many awkward <laughs> stages. And as much as it's cringeworthy to rewatch sometimes, you have to. As someone who is constantly yeah. perfecting their craft and their interviewing skills, you have to rewatch that stuff. So I don't know about you, Houston, but I know that you mentioned earlier that this is probably around 110 episodes I think congratulations so. thank you that's amazing like yeah. i don't even think i've done 100 episodes of now you know uh you know uh-huh. so it's like consistency is such a huge thing but in order to avoid burnout for me personally um i've never really just stuck to one thing and so mm-hmm. i started with the interview show but then i realized i really liked editing because then Ooh. i could not um, rely on editors to finish sure. my stories, right? Mm-hmm. Like as a host or as anybody who's in front of the camera, 
I was told very long ago before, I don't remember who told me this, but, or maybe I just assumed this, but especially as a woman in media, I always encourage other young women who want to be in this world, whether as a host, an actor, um, learn how to do other things and be indispensable in this industry. Because unfortunately we live in a society where women get uh, placed as like, your your face and that's all you are once yeah. you get older you're not of value anymore and bye we don't want you whether you know whereas men could be as a certain age and still play the heart throb in like right. films and tv shows so for me um i've always wanted to learn how to be indispensable in my field so if i couldn't host one day. I got you as a director or producer or as an editor or a cinematographer. I got you as someone who is willing to help on set, be an extra grip, like help with lighting. So I, I just, that mentality and the fact that I grew up as a huge tomboy, I, again, I have very many awkward stages. If you look at <laughs> my YouTube channel videos, huge awkward stages. Um, I mean, I never even wore makeup or anything. And not to say that that was a bad thing, but I realized that, you know, when you're hosting, sometimes you do have to be a little bit more presentable, but I had no idea, no fashion sense. I don't even know if I still have any to this day, but I think, <laughs> a lot of television focus on the outwardly appearance. And yes. I was very much the person who was working from inner like heart, um, trying to develop these stories. But when you're a one woman band, like I am, you kind of have to learn how to do all the things, sure. not only set up your camera and systems, but you kind of also have to like learn how to do your makeup. You have to learn how to like dress or like set up your audio. So it's not clipping, mm -hmm. but it still looks good. Um, so yeah, a lot of the, everything that I've done has been very self-taught, but yeah. I think that's why when I'm doing all these things and I'm able to do so many things is because I love learning and YouTube has been great. Mm -hmm. um, tutorials, you can Google almost anything now. So yeah. when people ask me like, how do you do that or whatever, or any question I had, I'm like, before I asked, I would Google it extensively. And it came with people too. When I was mm. interviewing people, I would Google mm. them extensively. So, um, you know, it's just, there's so much information out there and knowledge is power. I truly believe that. And um, I just want to combine the stuff that I've learned and for all, um, excuse me, for all the, you know, future content creators out there or anybody who wants to get into this line of work, I want to maybe help them, um, you know, figure certain things out and kind of give them more of a fast track while they're yeah. also learning themselves. So it's, it's just been a, Started from news, but now we hear. Yeah, <laughs> no. I like that. That's, that's really cool. I, I like that. I thought I like that you mentioned how you've gone through um, kind of different stages. Like some, some maybe more awkward <laughs> than others, but um, yeah, I think that's important too because um, you know to kind of taste things, right? Um, if you're mm -hmm. really passionate about you know, X thing and you start talking about it or interviewing people or creating content around it, and then suddenly. Uh, you know, you had to edit and all this other things that kind of come along with the content creation. Maybe you find out that, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not cut out to be in front of the camera, but I'm a killer editor or the research side is where I really mm -hmm. get jazzed up. And so I think that it is important to highlight that to kind of, that it's not a bad thing to kind of jump around and try different things um, and, and just figure out what works best. I think that's that's really good. Oh, exactly. And I have to share with you, like the first time I ever tried my hand at news journalism, though, I almost quit because oh. I, I was so like 
paralyzed. I was not good at it. Um, I, I thought I was so in my head, right? Mm-hmm. I am a person that, okay, I had to do this intro or a standup for a news story about like the Segundo like student fair at UC Davis, my alma mater. Shout out to my alma mater. But this is my first story ever. And I put so much pressure on myself and I needed to memorize this paragraph, you know, like, hi, this is Nikki's son. And but literally I was like looking back at my tapes, which is not aired. Thank goodness. I was like, destroy that tape. (laughs) But it literally was being like Darren headlights, like, hi, this is um, I literally was like, oh, my gosh. And so I watched that back. I cringed so hard. I was like, I'm not good at this. And I like stopped like for like maybe a month. And I was like, I'm not cut out for this. I got, I guess I got to figure out something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love a challenge. I'm not a quitter. And it's something I really genuinely wanted to do. So the next time I did it, I found my friend who is a really well-known, like back then, I guess, pop and locker, like dancer. Okay. And there was a world dance competition at our school. There was people from Brazil. There was people like from our, like, China all competing at our school stage. And I'm like, maybe I should try covering that because Mm -hmm. at least it's something I actually like and I enjoy and I'm passionate about it. So, and I know a friend, so like if all else fails, I'm like helping him out. I want to cover him and all of the people at Davis. Um, and try my hand at entertainment reporting, maybe not so much news. (laughs) And then after that, because I was so passionate about it, I could talk like circles around this. I just stopped memorizing and I just like went and I just like, let's go. And I actually remember Brie a little, I said this in interviews, she was the first uh, female cinematographer, but it wasn't a thing back then. I didn't know like there wasn't many women cinematographers back then, Mm -hmm. but she picked up the camera. And after I had done it, she actually gave me a comment and she was just like, oh my God, that's really good. Like you were like on fire. Um, And that comment actually really helped me and motivated me and encouraged me to continue going. So sometimes you also need certain people who have never seen you in this, you know, field, you know, share their thoughts and opinions about it. Otherwise, it can be very daunting, especially if it's in a field where my parents didn't know what I was doing because it never aired, right. <laughs> you know? And if the first one aired, they might've been like, well, honey, I don't know if you want to continue doing it, you know? So it's like, sometimes <laughs> you also have to be mindful of who you share and uh, you're in confidence with, right? Sure. Uh, Cause it could really change the trajectory of your career path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we kind of touched on uh, a little bit of an answer for, for, um, Stephen Montgomery here on YouTube. He says, as an aspiring filmmaker, can you tell me how I can get my name out there into the world? Where should I start? How to get noticed? Oh my gosh. There, there is a well, lot of noise out you. there, especially even YouTube and yeah. stuff. There's, there's uh, so yeah. Yeah. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for that question. And thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, I still think I'm trying to get my name out there still, but it's just been um, really rewarding with the, addition of social media. And I really Mm -hmm. do have to thank social media as much as it can be detrimental to a lot of people. If you use it correctly, and if you have like, 
like goals in mind and it's not in vain of like, oh, I just want to be famous. You can sure. actually use social media to connect with so many people around the world. I've connected with so many creators and other filmmakers and directors and editors through social media. I know a lot of other directors too are somewhat private so they don't have a social media so i mean there's mm -hmm. just so many ways about it right it's like how prestigious are you like i don't even have a social media account like whoa they're so unreachable unattainable you know i mean that could be a goal for certain people right sure. but for me i've always wanted to be accessible i've wanted to actually share my journey with people so to you know I would be probably completely opposite. So you also have to figure out what you're comfortable with too. Mm -hmm. um, I also like know a lot of actors who are getting really upset when influencers with followings were starting to get acting roles without even auditioning. But it's like, as much as it may seem unfair, like they probably maybe didn't go through acting training. They mm -hmm. maybe had an unfair advantage. Like everybody who's who has a following has hustled in some way or another. And yeah. there's something to be learned from that person. So just because they have a million followers doesn't mean everything comes to them that easily. You have to think like, well, how did it really start? And how do they, you know, continue to nourish and water this plant or make this grow? Because yeah. if they had one viral video and they stopped, I guarantee you they probably would not be happy having the same amount of following or if right. their personality didn't like match, I I don't think they would have the same amount of following. So you have to be kind of cognizant of where you want to be. Um, when Instagram came out, it was an opportunity uh, for a lot of visual creators like yeah. myself as video artists or graphic artists to kind of share their work. Um, obviously when Instagram first started, like, you know, we pull those things down now because it's like highly pixelated and stuff. Like, again, technology continues to advance and change and what you put out, you want it to be the best reflection of your work. Mm -hmm. But I would say, I would, I would say how I got started and hosting specifically a uh, Steven, like I knew that graduating from college, I would not be able to just automatically work at a three acronym like station. Sure. I knew it because like coming out, I'm a punk college kid. Like, what do I know? There's so many people who have been like hopping from station to station to get to where they're at. And obviously sure. like in the news world, there's like top five stations, you know, San Francisco where I'm from is like a top station. So in order mm -hmm. to like mm -hmm. even be at San Francisco, I would have to go fly elsewhere, probably into the Midwest, you know, right. be work my way up, you know, intern coffee, all that stuff. And I'm not saying that that's not correct. There's mm -hmm. no wrong or right way to get to where you are. Well, there's probably a wrong way. You shouldn't like cheat and be unkind to people. But um, how I did it, knowing that is I started creating my own videos. So yeah. I just had, you know, done all the stories when I was a student at UC Davis. Then I started doing all these things with YouTube channels, really honing my craft on questions. And I realized I'm going to build a hosting reel. So I created like, you know, my own content. And then I also edited my own reel. And mm -hmm. like the first ones were kind of rough, but again, it's like the more you have to pull from, the better and more colorful your reel can be. But, you know, since I was just starting out, I was like, oh, I only have like two or three pieces. But then I was like, okay, I got to do more. And it motivates mm -hmm. you to do more to like add variety. So maybe it's like, uh, if, if I was ever asked to be a sports journalist, for instance, like I need to like, get a piece where I'm interviewing a sports star or like cover some sort of sports thing. And maybe it's not at 
the NBA level, like yeah. maybe I can't get on court, you know, as a level, but what is something, you know, uh, also the same, maybe go to a community center, maybe my little brother's, you know, like thinking. basketball tournament, you know, and that's free. Yeah. You can like right? cover it however you want. And it doesn't matter if it was like NBA or not. They're, they're looking at you, how you ask questions, how you present yourself. Like if you interview like the top NBA star, that NBA star is not going to get you a show on primetime, maybe, right. but they're looking at you and how you deliver yourself. So um, I created a reel. I made it like, I don't know, Nikki Sun hosting reel. And then I like mm -hmm. tagged like so many things. And like, sure enough, that video did more work for me than I ever could just cold emailing because people are constantly looking for people. So mm -hmm. when they're looking, YouTube is great with the, um, the SEO algorithm because it now Google owns YouTube. Uh, so when you type in like, oh, host or like even like adjectives, you know, like you have to think yeah. of like what people are looking for, like, you know, uh, Asian American host or like someone who can talk about Lunar New Year, you know, host. And so whatever algorithm came, someone would always email me saying, hey, I came across your hosting reel. And guess what? Putting a reel on YouTube is furry. You don't have to like go put it up on Actors Access where they charge you $50 a minute. You know, you can Jeez. literally create your own like portfolio online. So I would say like if you're just getting started and you're starting from completely ground zero, mm -hmm. I would just start shooting something even with your phone. Um, you know, I actually did like a, a film with Samsung because they sponsored me during the pan pandemic um, to shoot an entire film on my phone. And that was the whole prompt, right? Cool. Can creators just without access to, you know, gear, like major cameras and all these things, can can I still create a film that's cinema quality on, on my phone? And the answer is yes. So I was one of four mm -hmm. filmmakers selected and they found me, I believe, through my Instagram. That's awesome. Some hashtag. I also I always ask people, how did you come across my page? Yeah. Um, They're like, oh, we found you on Instagram or agency found you on Instagram. Whatever the hashtag was, I don't know, like filmmaker, like I don't know what the hashtag was to find me, but they found mm -hmm. me and that's how they were able to connect with me. And then because they asked for other examples of what I've done in the past, I had existing reels of mm -hmm. my show reel already set up. So it's also being prepared and ready when the time comes. Do you have a portfolio? Do you have something to show for it? Because if not, you should be working on those pieces of content that gets you more work. It might not be your multi-million dollar budget because, you know, we have to work our way. Sometimes the idea of shooting a feature was so daunting to me, but then someone broke it down to me best. It's like, well, a feature, if it's like an hour, is essentially comprised of multiple shorts, right? Sure. So okay. if you have like you know, four 15 minute shorts and it's like shot in that way. I mean, essentially you've already made a feature. So um, don't overcomplicate it for yourself when you're just starting, but you do want to have some kind of concept of what you'd like to create as a filmmaker. So if it's a horror film or you eventually want to get into the romantic comedy um, genre, like you kind of have to start somewhere. So mm -hmm. you can even rent camera gear. That's true, Again, yeah. you can use your phone. You can find other people who also want to be an editor, be a director, but want a project. The filmmaking community is so expansive and like expansive and large now that you oh, yeah. can actually just hashtag things now on Instagram and like connect with people. Um 
But yeah, most of the people who are just yeah. starting out, they're usually really down to to create something that you can use for your portfolio. So I would say start there if you haven't done that and then create a portfolio um, that's SEO searchable for whatever kind of content you want to do. Right on. Now, I've, I've noticed myself too that um, as the barriers to entry uh, for all sorts of different in- industries are breaking down, uh, I, I in my own mind, I tend to think of it. There's, there's fewer and fewer like old white guys standing in your way, <laughs> um, which is, I mean, and, and I've, maybe I should be a little more politically correct, but it, that's the fact, right? You don't have to go to a music label anymore and say, Hey, here's my mixtape or whatever. You don't have to go to a broadcast studio or, or a company and say, Hey, here's a pitch for my show. Um, you can put it out there and there are, and like you said, there's plenty of folk out there who are willing to help out. Um, or in the same spot or better or, you know, um, so yeah, that, it's, that's good. I like that. Um, sorry. I, I kind of lost my own train of thought there, <laughs> while I was talking. Um, but yeah, I, I just, um, it, it, the social media thing is as much as people kind of thumbs down social media as some, mm-hmm. as, as a lot of the negativity is fairly loud and stuff. I I'm constantly pushing the positivity of it. Um, there's there's it used to be that, it, you know, if you if you had some niche uh, interest, you'd be you'd be outside everybody. You know, you weren't popular where it's a weird nerdy kid or whatever. But now every, there's groups, there's there's people out there who like what you like, who can who are trying to do what you do everywhere. And they're very welcome. Yes. And I think it's also trying to apply what you do. Maybe that's a niche um, to a more broader sense. So I think that's why in a way um, I'm a content creator, but now I kind of create content about how other people can be content creators. If sure. you understand. So it's like, then you wouldn't just be watching my channel because I just create random content. I'm actually creating content to help other people who are watching my content, learn how to do the same stuff that I'm doing. So in a way it helps me, um, feel good about what I'm doing while also being very passionate about it and um, the stuff I absolutely nerd out about. Um, and I, I, like you mentioned, you know, like the industry that I've been a part of, the tech and filmmaking, um, especially as I've been in it, um, when I've gone to conferences before, it felt really weird when uh, the bathroom line for the women was non-existent. (laughs) That's how you know when something's up, you know, like, oh, there's a line for the men's bathroom, but you go to these tech conferences and like, there's no line for the women uh, conferences. And again, I tell people it's not because that women don't exist in this industry. It's like, we just haven't been perhaps in a very inclusive environment or maybe we're not targeted to enough. Like even when I would go to tech conferences, a lot of people come talk to me about like, Oh, it's like a pretty color, you know, or even when you're car shopping, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's such a pretty color. It like holds your cup holder. It's like, no, give me the specs. Give me like, (laughs) you know, all this other stuff. I can handle it, you know, but I think, you know, as we start to put more imagery out there of women operating cameras, of women editing, of women like um, doing all these things, um, I think it unleashes the possibility and like helps tackle a lot of these stereotypes that are faced within industries, not just for women, but even for other like uh, marginalized communities um, Mm -hmm. in this area. And so just by being or having a tech channel, I feel like that already to me is the way that I'm contributing to hopefully the, this issue or the stigma issue is just by being interested in it. And perhaps, 
perhaps I might get some comments that could tend to mansplain a lot of things or like, I, I didn't need that comment, you know, or like yeah. people will comment on my appearance versus what I'm actually saying. Um, but if it takes like those small amount of comments, which I'm very grateful for, like I have a very amazing um, audience and a male ally audience that is just, I'm so deeply touched by. Um, but it, it does, I think seeing imagery of women holding cameras and doing is the reason why I have my channel. It's, it, it keeps me going because I, I'm seeing a lot more now. I, I think I posted in October of 2018 on my personal Instagram account of me operating my friend's RE camera. Mm-hmm. And um, the next morning it like exploded to like 80,000 views and it was, con- it was like reposted to su- to so many filmmaking blogs. And I realized that this is, I'm just holding a camera y'all. Like I'm just mm-hmm. like, Literally, this is exciting because I was operating, you know, my Lumix GH4s, you know, my GH2s, like, and I'm like, oh, let me, let me see what it's like. But then there's a whole spectrum of comments that happen. Like when I was reposted, a lot of these filmmaking uh, blogs would say, look at this female filmmaker. Look mm. at this female holding. And like, I realized the adjective for me uh, before it was Asian. And now mm. my adjective was female. Um, and I'm like, I can't escape like these adjectives, right? Yeah, I would like to hopefully drop these labels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but until we can actually drop these labels and when you hear artist or director or cinematographer and not immediately think male, female, um, we still got a lot of work to do. So I, I think me creating content about content creation and seeing other young girls, especially when I get into it too, that just is like, uh, I would like be so happy if just like one person said like watching your videos makes me want to, you know, do this too. Cause then I feel like in a way I've done my job. It's not about having a million followers. It's about impacting the correct people mm-hmm. um, to really help, you know, tackle the stigmas and stereotypes of what it means to be a filmmaker or what it means to just do something you're passionate about without feeling like there's barriers or extra things. Like we, yeah. there's always things that are extra for certain people and it yeah. shouldn't be like that. Yeah, man. Um, I hesitate to go to, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure which direction to go with this. Cause, um, <laughs> well, so, um, in, in talking about the, how the label has changed for you, like it went mm-hmm. from Asian to female to hopefully not having to have the label. I wonder, sure. um, cause I feel like it, it's kind of, it kind of pulls in two directions on the, on the one hand, you kind of want it so that others who identify as you yeah. do can find the content that, that, you know, like you were saying, Oh, I didn't see a lot of, of my face on the TV or doing these sorts of things. And then, but at the same time, does, does using those labels kind of perpetuate the separation? Right. Um, and, yeah. and that's, and I feel like there's like a, a weird kind of juxtaposition there where, yeah, I mean, you, you hear it sometimes. Um, there's like a famous clip of Morgan Freeman, I think. And he's like, how do you end racism? Well, you just stop talking about it. Like, stop, stop talking to me yeah. as a, I'm not a, just a black actor. I'm, I'm an actor. So stop putting these labels yeah. on there but at the same time how do you highlight the content and how do you um kind of bring that to the forefront without 
those labels. Like it, it's almost like a weird mm -hmm. sort of self-perpetuating problem. Totally. Kind of. Oh, I hear you loud and clear. And it's so interesting that you say that because that is the daily conversations that are going on constantly. It's like, well, how do we address the lack of female filmmakers if we don't have programs for female filmmakers? Mm -hmm. But then there's also another thing, like in my Q&A with Sawyer Hartman after my film, you know, it's it's like, I also don't want to be a diversity quota. Like, right. I also want to know that I got it on my own merit and not because you were just looking to fill like a diversity quota. So sometimes too, like those programs, as much as I love them, uh, like the diversity initiatives and stuff like that, like, why don't you just create one initiative and just be like mindful in your hiring process too? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the biggest thing of why certain organizations exist that I feel like okay with is, you know, you see a lot of casting directors before saying, we just couldn't find enough X or there mm -hmm. just wasn't enough talent in X. Well, guess what? Maybe you should hire an amazing social media uh, person whose job is to really like look and follow and support a lot of these creators that are not hashtagging perhaps mm -hmm. like what they are. Um, how are you finding like the real hidden gems that don't even want to use social media. So yeah. we also can't just rely on social media too. There's a lot of amazing people who, who don't even have social media accounts. So how do we get to those communities? So, yeah. you know, like I have a friend that has created a global majority as we like to call, call it instead of minority, we are the global majority together um, combined, but he has created this voice actor, um, list with mm -hmm. like all these ethnicities and stuff. So if you're looking specifically for a Korean person to voice over a Korean person, it's authentic. So I think that's what it is. It's just authenticity is the key at the end of the day. Um, okay. How we go about finding authenticity can be multiple ways and streams, but I would even be happy like if major companies who didn't even have a diversity initiative, for instance, if they have mm -hmm. a lot of money, maybe they can actually put that money towards these programs who are doing the work on the ground. So it's not like all of a sudden we have to support diversity. So let's create a program that's kind of like Frankenstein together with the little limited knowledge that we know. And let's hire somebody of color to run this diversity program, which is not their burden. Um, right. You know, it's like we're talking about uh, Black Lives Matters and Stop Asian Hate, for instance. I don't want to get mm -hmm. this like to be political, but I'm just saying like this is uh, not a political thing. This is a humanity thing. Right. Um, it's like, well, how do we stop doing all these things? We don't need to be burdening those communities who it's for about what should I do? It's like, no, find a way to do the research, the education, take the time to really um, sit with yourself and reflect like, and educate yourselves, like watch programs and history channels on like things that have happened before mm -hmm. asking, what should I do? Because that is a loaded question. Um, to a lot of people who have been victimized or, you know, marginalized it's like, they're asked constantly every day, like how, how they can, you know, fit in to be more American or more white. So you kind of flip that role around and like ask yourself what it means to be an ally sure. uh, before even like doing that. So 
Yeah, I feel like, you know, along those lines of like diversity programs, like they're great to have, but I always notice that they're usually run by people of color, which, you know, I understand that too. But like if we're having a panel discussion on diversity, for instance, I would love to see someone who is reflective of diversity and not just feel like it's an all Asian panel or an all like female panel. Like if you really want to talk about diversity in filmmaking, you need to have men on that panel too. You need to have like every single person so we can actually have a conversation together about what it means and not feel like it's just targeting or it's just just time to blame this one person because it's not about that. It's about how do we expand perspectives. And so I, I really give a lot of, you know, grace when I have these conversations with people who are, you know, non-Asian, non-female, because it takes a lot for somebody to even want to engage in that conversation. Mm -hmm. So I give a lot of grace and I'm willing to go through the dialogue and the conversations of how we can, you know, further progress everything forward to feel like our world is a reflection of the people who actually live in it, because it takes the people with that, that are willing to give that time to go through that. If I turn down every single person who was like racist or like, you know, you know, it's just one thing, right? If you're willing to have a conversation, that's right. amazing. But if you're not, I'm also not going to pursue that conversation because sure. you are who you are. And, you know, I'm not going to engage in something that's not going to be um, ed- like valuable or ed- educational or insightful for both of us. If, either side is not willing to participate in that conversation. But I am also willing to be that person that will take the time to have a dialogue um, with other people who are genuinely interested on how they can push everybody forward. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this out loud and just live and stuff. I'm, I'm going to pursue this topic with you a little bit beyond this um, because it's something I'm, I'm interested in Um just because of the platform and whatnot, I have this space here. And um, I, I once talked with uh, Valentina V um, a year yes, ago. Yes, love um, her. And, and um, I always like to ask uh, my guests like ahead of time, like what topics do you think we should talk about? Like, is there anything that doesn't mm-hmm. often get asked about or, or like that we should mention while we have this time? And um, one of it was that was a big topic that she wanted to touch on was um, just kind of women in filmmaking in general. And and mm-hmm. um, I would love to have the both of you together. I think it would be a really cool talk. Yeah. I, know you've, I know you've interviewed her in the past as well, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't. I didn't want to do it just just oh just to have two women, right? Um, I, and so I will. I'll pursue this outside of this this context yeah. a little further because um, I want to. I would want to make it valuable and 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 appropriate. I suppose. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> well, you. the first part is always starting, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. I think, um, and that's why I give so much grace, right? Because like, there's things that I want to know, but I'm like, I'm not quite sure if I'm asking it appropriately. Like, is this politically correct? So I'm like, all I can do is like preface at the beginning. I am open to learning and understanding. If I am mm-hmm. saying something wrong, please call me out on it, and I won't take it as an offense. Mm-hmm. But unless you actually call me out on it or educate me, I will continue perpetuating these things that I thought were actually good, but they're actually harmful. So I think just knowing that anything in the dialogue or as a moderator, as a host, many times of like a lot of these panels, it's like, we always like to start in the beginning, like, Hey, we have all come here, you know, with our, 
pre-existing biases or maybe ignorance. And mm-hmm. we're all laying it out on the table and we're here to educate each other on the conversation. So perhaps I might say something that might be offensive, but mm-hmm. you know, in this group, since we all know what we have come here for, we accept that knowing that your intention is not to continue harming, but to further trying to educate oneself to be better. So knowing that already gives it a sp- safe space for people to talk about things. And so th- those are the kind of conversations I like to have. And again, because of how it's like formatted, it's not everybody's cup of tea. It sure. might feel like, oh, this is a lot of work, but guess what? Anything that's worth it. Um, and then when it comes to cultural differences and bridges, like there is a language barriers, there's so much work that needs to be done to get to that place. So already, if you are a person not of my community, willing to be like getting your hands dirty, be like, hey, I'm willing to do the work You've already mm-hmm. won a conversation, you know, it's, it's like, okay, sure. Let's figure this out. You know, let's, let's actually have a conversation. Um, but again, there's like two sides of it, right? One is like, I'm willing to do the work, which I am, but there's other people who have told me like, it is not our burden to educate you. I do not have time for this Bye. you know, so there's yeah. like definitely sides to it. And it just depends on who you run into or, you know, talk to. It can be like a lot, it can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. constantly explaining over and over again to multiple groups of people. But, you know, I, I do, I, patience is, you know, somewhat of a virtue of mine, <laughs> but it also can be, but be not, but if it's with the right group of people or with the right person, I'm always happy to pursue it. Awesome. That's cool. Um, wow. Thank you. I was, I wasn't expecting it to go that <laughs> way. And I, but I love it when, when we get to touch on things that um, go a little beyond yeah, really just talk the, about it. Yeah. Tech and, 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 the kind of the surface level stuff. So I appreciate that. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. I guess to kind of go back to some of our more boring topics or whatnot. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious about since, and this is going to touch personal interests because of what sure. I do. Um, interview, interviewing tips. How oh. um, I, I, I do try to, to kind of um, research my guests. Um, I try and, and, and I'm, I don't, I know we only have maybe 20 minutes or so, but I mean the whole, the whole from top to bottom, like um, say like at CES, do you, when you go to a show like that, do you already have a list of people you want to talk to? Have you already kind of locked those things down? Is it random? I mean, I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> preparing questions. Is it, is it mm. a lot more off the cuff? Do you have like a bunch of stuff you prepare? I, I, ha- I try to have a few of my own prepared and then hopefully the audience has mm. questions. Um, and then I have like a sort of boilerplate stuff that I can ask just about anybody, but I'm curious how you okay. handle it. Okay. Yeah. So CES, I will say I went for the first time. It, like I was just like, you would think like as someone who loves tech, I'd be there before. I've actually only really gone to NAB show, but I, okay. because like, it's a little bit more focused on what I do. I know when it comes to CES, it's like, wow, it's consumer electronics. It could be anything from a smart dog collar to like, a bidet, you know, and it's like, that's not exactly the kind of tech that I'm covering, but I went for the first time and, um, I actually was able to apply as media, which was like a huge thing on my vision board. Cause I actually applied in 2019 and I didn't get it. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not going if I can't do it and cover it and bring my cameras and stuff. Right. But right. I applied this year. I also, you know, to preface, I did not have a tech channel back then. So it's like, who's this rando that's coming, right? (laughs) Uh, Like, we can't just let all the randos in. So I'm like, I get it. But it was really cool when I got media access this year. Um, So because I signed up on media, I signed up for alerts within the 
the kind of the fields that I'm interested in. So like drones, video, like uh, fitness tech, all that stuff. And so I get on this list. And so they were sending me all these information, press release, what to see. So in a way, um, I'm making them do a little, I'm helping myself do a little less work because covering a convention like CES with over 2000 exhibitors, there's no way you're going to cover everything. So you right. kind of have to like focus on your niche. I also, in a way, think back, I work backwards on everything because it's all about working mm-hmm. smarter, not harder for yourself. So I'm like, okay, I want to do an overall encompassing piece. And then maybe specifically, I think I find this Waverly Labs language translator so cool because if I had any superpower in the world, it would be to speak any language in the world. So mm-hmm. I'd love to like actually talk a little deeper about this, but then maybe I'll make that its own piece itself. Mm-hmm. But I'll pull a little bit out and put that into an overarching, like, this is what I saw at CES. That's really cool. So I, like, mapped it out in my mind. I'm like, okay, so all this overarching stuff comes with interviews, which is great because I could just pull, like, little sound bites from interviews and put it in the big one. But then what comes with an overarching piece is also B-roll. So it's like, all right, I got to go to what I think would be really cool visually. Um, So, like, the color-changing car, for instance, and, like, that. (laughs) Emika robot and like the Vegas loop was really cool. Like maybe having a visual experience or showing like me actually touching things and doing things would be cool B roll, but I don't really need sound bites for that. Um, And so I'm like, okay, I got that covered. I got visuals down. So when you're covering a show as a one woman or one person band, it's like you have to figure out what is going to be your interview. Cause it takes a while to set up that stand, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I try to make it as go as possible, but you know, I have a tripod at my camera, I have to set up my mic. So uh, it's not like easily like, let's just interview everybody. Cause then you also have to think about, Oh my gosh, I have to sit through hours of footage and figure this out. So in my mind, mm-hmm. I already, I've done, I've done this also for 10 years. So it's kind of like, I already as a filmmaker too can see it because I'm a person in the editing chair at the end of the day that I'm like, I know I have that. Even when I'm listening to the interview, I'll be like, like while I'm hearing it out, I'm like, Oh, that would have been a great soundbite. I do. I am shameless when it comes to, Hey, I know I want to use this in my interview. Could you say that one more time? but like in 10 seconds or less. So sometimes I will like knowing that I really want this piece of information in my news piece, but Oh man, chopping out all the ums or whatever, or it's like, it's like three minutes long. Like, I just want it. Like, can you like summarize that in like 10 seconds so I can put in my piece? I will ask them to do that. Um, but that makes, that makes, you know, the, the editing process a lot easier in post. Um, so when I'm doing all that stuff too, I'll even like communicate with the, the emails that come in for the press release, for instance, because we're mm-hmm. talking about CES specifically, I'll use that as my overarching example. Um, I got some press releases and I was like, oh, that's not really cool. I don't really, that's not really my channel. So I'll just, I won't really respond. But then something that I really find cool and they're offering like interview time slots, I'll be like, okay, let's do this. But seeing that CES was all over the place, not just at the Las Vegas convention center, like five hotels too. I was like, okay, efficiency is a huge thing too. So I was mapping things out like, okay, these all are in the Venetian. This one's all at the Las Vegas convention center. So I will do one day of convention center on Thursday. So I'll schedule all my interviews with products that are at the convention center on Thursday and everything in the Venetian where I'm actually staying, Mm -hmm. uh, 
on Wednesday. So that's how sure. I kind of at least break it down producer wise. So that's the thing, like you have to be a producer, director, editor, all in one, but knowing a little bit about everything helps you produce more efficient content and, um, you know, with the goal, uh, so much more in the end. So I always tell people like, if there's one thing that you should know outside of, you know, like hosting or directing or camera work and stuff, I, I always say editing because editing yeah. really does help you understand how to tell a story. And the more mm. you do it, um, you know, it, you'll get the hang of it. So that's that my process. But when it comes to generating questions, I come up with, you know, like, you know, general questions that regardless of what product it is, we can like base it on CES, you mm -hmm. know, like, um, you know, what are the most exciting? And it's also, I realized timely wise, um, you know, it was the first time anybody has seen each other in person for a long time. So it's kind of like, how are you feeling? Like even like sure. questions like that can bring certain specific things, a uh, sensory wise, um, to the person you're interviewing and depending on how they respond, um, I also don't get too fixated on the questions because mm -hmm. if you prepare so much, that's a great thing. But I've, I've come to a time where you just never know what's going to happen. So you kind of have to go with the flow. Sure. I have like bullet points at this point. If mm -hmm. they're not full blown questions, I have bullet points in my mind that I want to talk about. Like, for instance, I covered the drone racing. I wanted to know yeah, specifically cool. to tie in how the drone racing was tied to CES was like what technology has made it possible for drones to like advance from you know our knowledge of what drones were like back in 2015 to now and you know mm -hmm. and they are highly knowledgeable about that because they're pilots and like they can talk about that extensively so I always try to think about what can this person talk about extensively you never want to like ask a question that you feel like oh that's going to lead to a dead end <laughs> so, yeah you know as you talk to somebody or you're interviewing somebody i pick up on social like i have i can i can read people pretty well but i can pick up on social cues i'm like okay maybe they're not that versed in that so maybe i'll switch my conversation over this way sure. but you know your mind is just always thinking and always on fire and the moment you realize i might forget what i'm gonna say rely on your listening ear mm -hmm. and the other person you're interviewing to give you like clues or other bullet points that you can kind of throw in and kind of, you know, hone your current questions you have. So um, I think a good example of this was my interview with Shannon Lee, Bruce Lee's daughter. Okay. Um, it was a half an hour interview. I had like some bullet points. I had some things prepared and I broke it down in sections, but um, I didn't use any of it. <laughs> Oh, wow. Like you can see that I'm holding like a paper in my hand just to like have some assurance, but I never looked at it once because I was just so engrossed in the conversation oh, and she was actually giving me the keys for my next question. So I researched her enough. I knew at some point I wanted to show her pictures of my dad because he was such a huge Bruce Lee fans and like, I knew that was like a main part. So like, I also break down what is the main thing that I want to make sure that if this was completely edited out, like if this 30 minute interview was like one question, what would that one question be boiled down to? Those are the questions that I like to really uh, make sure I have. And so you'll never forget that. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, well, 
this this whole interview is happening really because my dad was a huge fan, you know, and he passed away. And like we wanted to talk about, you know, here's two daughters with like two dads and like carrying on a legacy. And it's like I wanted to address that. And that's specific to this interview. It couldn't be specific to anybody else. Right. You know, and so I knew that I wanted to have that. So I kind of build around that. So I'm like, okay, if I have this much time. I'm going to save this towards the end. So like, if I feel like there's a point where we may be losing steam or also we might want to change direction, I also want to make sure that it's not so like deep that we won't have time to do the one that I really, really want to do. And then sometimes when you don't even know how much time you're given, like I knew I was given a half an hour, but if I didn't know like at CES, how much time I'm going to give them, you want to leave with that question. Sure. You want to leave okay. with the question you really, really want first. And everything else is just kind of like, you know, that's smart. in a way. But yeah, I think like it's not about how long you interview a person. It's just like getting the exact soundbite that you want that you would want from something like what makes this technology so cool? Why should people buy your product? Like and then when they tell you, they'll like you know something else like, well, it's taken five years to like put it through all these tests. I'm like, well, as a viewer, like what kind of test did you put it through? Like yeah. did you take this to a restaurant or a first date or like, you know, like that's interesting to me. Um <laughs> So it's like asking questions you think other people would want to get answers from as well. And you as a naturally curious person, like I'm a naturally curious person, I'm going to ask all these questions. And I, I like to say that usually some of the questions I ask are also the same questions that people are also searching for on the internet, um, SEO-wise. So that's kind of just kind of my priority of when I think about questions. I don't know if that helps, but... <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Um, let's see, we only got... What? We'll get some good time. I'm curious about, so, man, actually, I have a few things I'm curious about. Uh, um, sure, so you, yeah. you, you mentioned that um, you've been at this for about 10 years. So yeah. since 2010-ish, 2011? Yeah, around 2010, yeah. What has changed for they, that, um, actually, let me rephrase. In that time, mm -hmm. um. What what I think? I, dang it! I'm sorry. I've I've had a good phrasing for this, but I'm curious what has changed the best in um, mm. content creation, filmmaking, um, the landscape like YouTube, social media, the uh, the changes that we've seen, um, even in just how content is being consumed. A lot of people aren't watching live ca cable TV anymore, like that kind of a thing. Yeah. What, what what has changed the most that you are that you like the best? crazy to think about it it's actually not technology it's just really um opportunity mm -hmm. the opportunity um to allow other forms of media as paid content as consumable content as reachable content like has been um, the best thing that has happened um, in this content creation world. I, I was thinking about it. Like I was a social media manager for university and the performing arts. And I got to interview like 50 Grammy Tony artists like yearly mm -hmm. and do content on them. Right. But I was thinking about it. I was like, this was not a job like five years ago. Mm -hmm. Instagram wasn't around like I don't know, 10 years ago. I don't even think it was around 10 years ago. So you could think about with everything that's been added technology wise, you know, technology, there's always something bigger, better, faster, stronger, whatever. But what has really changed that I think is the best is the opportunity that comes with it, the possibilities of being able to 
did you ever know that you can make money just live streaming or eating and like doing mukbang? Like there's just right. so many possibilities. And the, the thing is I tell uh, young people uh, a lot in when they're trying to figure out what they're doing is sometimes the things that you want to do might have not even be invented yet. So don't be hard on yourself. Give yourself grace. Give yourself the time to allow yourself to explore multiple genres, areas of interest. Um, I just happen to be someone who's like a collector of skills too. Like that's yeah. kind of my, my thing. And as a host, like, I think the more that you in, um, embrace all the things that life has to offer, you're able to have more conversations with anybody. And so I think for me, it's like, oh, well, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. But I'm like, there's another phrase after that, that most people forget. And like, for me, it's been like, well, it's a master of versatility. Mm-hmm. It's like, it allows me to really pull from my knowledge of what life is and actually genuinely have authentic, real, genuine conversations with people um, and not do it for money or fame. Because once you start thinking about doing certain things for that, it's like, uh, so but the possibilities and the opportunities of doing something that you feel is right um, while also, you know, making a living from it is kind of like everyone's goal. Right. So mm-hmm. I feel like I actually did audition to be a QVC host once. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. But I did not like the idea of selling somebody something. Right. Um, and I was like, I, th- I don't know anything about purses or clothing. <laughs> so I failed that audition horribly, but now Look at this Amazon live stream opportunity that I have. It's run in a QVC format. I can control everything that comes out of my mouth. Um, I can work with partners individually and relationships. And if they have items on Amazon, we can work it out where you can send me stuff. I can test it out. And if I like it, you know, I can genuinely just go on live stream and talk about it. And since it's a show that I can do on my own, um, I focus it also on, on education. So it's like, well, uh, today's live stream is going to be how to create a live stream setup like mine. And here are some gear and products you can do from Amazon, you know? So mm-hmm. it's allowing me to really curate a show that I've been wanting to. It's not like I'm going to ask QVC, like, Hey, what if I have this text segment and I can do all right. these things? And like, you know, it's that what I wanted hadn't been invented yet. And so now we're talking about this live stream. I failed miserably at that QVC audition. However, this is kind of like what I really, really wanted right. um, to talk about tech, to really empower creators to feel like, oh, okay, well, when I'm watching this show, I can get exactly what she has. There's no gatekeeping. I'm fully transparent, but I'm also learning something about how she does things too. I'm mm-hmm. not saying I'm an expert by all means, but this sure. is what I'm doing. So if you like this quality of like what, what this is, if you like the sound, if you like this, um, this is what I did. I'm not saying I'm an expert, but this is what I did. And I think that gives a level of transparency and authenticity that mm-hmm. allows viewers to want to continue watching because again i don't want to feel like a, a car salesperson right. um, trying to sell you things that you don't believe in and i want to be able to talk about it if i didn't believe in it myself so um this has really leveled the playing field um, technology like this has really leveled the playing field being able to live stream which is like a huge thing now uh which was just like literally the past couple of years if not this past year in the pandemic mm-hmm. is an opportunity so you know all technology can change but the thing that has come out of it is has really just given me more endless possibilities of how to 
really figure out what it is I want to do because I, I really think that anything is possible now. Before I thought like, oh, I don't think I could do this. I don't think I could host my own show. I'm like, hey, the technology has happened and things have happened to make it so you can do it yourself mm-hmm. and you can package and pitch it. Someone can buy it and stream it online. But why, why just stop at TV now? Like the internet is more like expensive than TV now. So um, I think it's just really cool to feel like that really is like the best thing that has happened is opportunity and possibility. Yeah, I agree. I get jazzed about it um, myself, even in like personal channels and stuff um, where, uh, you know, I'll be live streaming and people, oh man, I, I don't know if I can do this thing or whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no. Uh, th- there's that old <laughs> line about from that uh, attributed to Andy Warhol, how like, oh, in the future, everyone will have 15 minutes of fame. I think we've gotten to a point mm-hmm. where, um, everyone can have 15 fans like diehard yeah. raving mm. fans anybody yeah. out there and um and yeah it's, and it's super cool to see more of that sort of personal um approach i think people are tired of being sold to and mm-hmm. um and and having having someone that they can kind of feel a more trust toward when it comes to like endorsements and things like that uh is, yeah. is a big deal yeah, I bought oh, the I bought that HDMI to USB um, job. Oh, the video capture your, card. Yeah, that's it. I dropped a ball on the name of it, but yeah, I got that <laughs> I, from watching your clip. And oh, uh, awesome! Cheaper than the Cam Link and does just as good. It, it works. Yeah, it was like twenty. Yeah, bucks. it works. It I'm great. using it right now, so it's like yeah. you can turn any one of your cameras into a high quality webcam just using like this like $15 device, you know? So, um, you know, I love stuff like that. And why would I gatekeep that? I'm like, you, if you want to do it too, I actually implore you, I want you to do better than me, you know, like grab what this is and then go like, there's no like joy in stealing other people's joy. Right. So Mm -hmm. I feel like in Hollywood, we get the stereotype a lot. Oh, like be careful. Like everybody just is out for themselves. Like I can see where that mentality can come from, but I also know where I grew up who I was raised by my principles, my values. And I actually am the opposite. Like I actually really want people to succeed. And actually a lot of people do want to see other people succeed. Um, you know, believe that. So when you're just starting and you feel like no one, like what's going to see this, like who's the no ones, who are the people that are being negative to you? Because I guarantee you people want you to succeed. And if not come on my channel and I will help motivate and encourage you to make sure that you are succeeding. And I really do like a, I love, I enjoy highlighting, spotlighting, hyping other people up. It's just the joys in life is just connecting with people. I mean, it all started with my first YouTube channel where I was interviewing a lot of people who are unknown and undiscovered, but they're like huge now. And that gives me joy knowing that maybe I was their first interview. I believed in them because I saw that they had a sparkle in their eye or like they (laughs) were mad talented and no one knew who they were. So that gives me joy. And um, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't feel like what I had to offer or share was valuable for other people so that they can use that and like succeed and thrive in their life too. Yeah. Yeah. We are a little over our hour. I wonder if I could hit <laughs> one, one more question. Sure. Um, yeah. and, and we'll, we'll try it. Well, I'll pull your trick, try and condense this down into just a little bit. Um, so, so actionable, and this kind of, kind of ties back to Stephen Montgomery's original question. What are some, yeah. say I'm, I'm a new content creator. Uh, I'm putting okay. stuff out there, but uh, I'm, I feel like I'm not getting traction. How do I, 
self-reflect. How do I learn what I'm doing wrong or how to improve um, my content? Okay. So again, like I always tell people to work backwards, right? So what are your goals? What are your um, KPIs or your like ROI or return on invest? Like what is the thing that you want? Because I will say if your goal is to get like, I don't know, a million followers, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, I mean, everybody has different goals, right? And maybe, um, a goal could also be like, I want to get my first brand deal. So it's like, okay, so you start with your main goal and then you break Mm -hmm. it down, work backwards. Like if that is your goal in five years or two years, break it down. Like how are you going to get the first 1000, then the first 10,000, the first 50,000, uh, work backwards because my goal has never been to get a million followers and, and then do what? You know, yeah. like, that's great that you're following me, but I, I, at the end of the day, I want to provide content that reaches the right audience. So mm-hmm. because I'm such a niche audience, I don't expect a million, but sure. it'd be great, but that is not what I'm basing it on. Right. So mm-hmm. for me, it has been to be able to get to a point where I can say like no to things. And I'm at that point right now. So in, cool. in a way I've like, a, I've achieved this goal. Right. But I want to now work with multiple brands and partners and maybe next time, like, you know, even a host CES with my boy, Brian Tong, you know, like that would be kind of like something I, I would love on my, that would be awesome list. But I would really look about like, what is it that you want to achieve? Because if it is to create impact or to like, uh, there's three things we we say, right? When you're creating content, it has to be either educational, inspiring, or entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, or entertaining. If it's all three of those, you've hit a jackpot. If it's one of those, that's great. But if it's none of those, you need to redo maybe why you're trying to create content. So again, it's educational content, entertaining content, or inspirational content. If you're creating content that is neither of those three, you need to rethink the content that you're creating. So I would use those three points and look at back at your content and say, Hey, is my content educational? No, not really. So maybe I can work on how to make it educational and provide value to others. Okay. Right. Educational wise and look back on it. Was it entertaining? Did it make someone laugh? Did it brighten their day? Did it make them, you know, like share, like, is it shareable now? Like, is mm-hmm. this content when you see it, is it shareable? So if it was entertaining or educational enough that that makes someone say, Hey, I want to share this on my page because this content provided me education and it's very like, you know, Uh, entertaining and then also it's like inspirational you see those like goals and motivational videos where they like cut up people's speeches and stuff those are highly shareable because it's like people can always use an extra word of encouragement or motivation it's something that uplifts instead of like look at this like video that just makes you feel so down about life like why um so I would say those are the three basics um the holy trinity grail of comparing your content to so it's not comparing your content to others right once we start comparing ourselves to other people we go in a very dark hole so do not do that but compare yourself against yourself where your journey is and really ask your uh, ask yourself like is the content that i've been creating educational entertaining or inspirational and i think there's a reason why my videos on how to create the lookalike challenge on tiktok got forty thousand views versus like since i'm a new channel like just putting out any video like hi, (laughs) you know, like I'm not at the point where I'm going to create actual vlogs yet because no one might know who I am, but Mm -hmm. 
they might stumble across my channel because they are looking how to do things. So sure. that's why how to videos are like super like rankable on SEO. Um, not to say that everybody has to do it, but you, you want to think of what, put yourself in somebody else, like a random stranger's shoes when they're on Google and they're typing in something. Mm -hmm. What is it that they're typing and how is your video going to pop up because it answers that question? Yeah. Um, another way to do this as I'm all about tangibles is Pinterest. I'm pretty fairly new to Pinterest, but Pinterest, if you type in anything in your niche, you'll see a list of things that people have asked and people have typed. Uh, even Quora, right? Or, or question forums or Reddit. Yeah. People are asking questions all the time. So why not create videos if you're knowledgeable about that and like that's your niche? do a video answering those questions because if it's the most searched questions and there's no video popping up to that, you could be that video. Um, so that's just a way of like working smarter again, not harder and working yeah. backwards. Like the answers are out there on the internet. You can see how many people have researched this. You can see how many people have looked up this product. Uh, so I also need to take advice from myself and actually go through that. I know it's a lot of like time, but then, you know, if you also have the resources to hire a virtual assistant as well, you can have them like create, you know, um, research, research all that stuff for you as well. So it creates like content more efficiently. So there's so many things you can do. But again, instead of feeling like I don't know where to start, work backwards. Yeah. Um, you know, even when I was acting, like if I wanted to be on New Girl, right, and I had no idea where to start. There's a thing called IMDb Pro, which is for all the professionals and all the credits are listed there. You would go look up the casting director of that show, mm -hmm. right? And then you can see like all the other shows she's casted for. Maybe you look up girl number three, because you know, I'm not going to be the main star real quick. Look up like the credits of girl number three without a name. Who is she repped by? What agency is she repped by? Because that means that casting agency works with these agencies. So now to get even closer and faster, maybe you should apply to that agency instead yeah. or like get in contact with that agency or at least send a note of like, congratulations, this was phenomenal casting um, and start really uh, that relationship there. So there's always ways to like get to where you want to go. It's just, sure. you have to really question what is your ultimate be all end all? If it's to be famous, that's not a goal. Um, so you have to figure out what else you really want and then work backwards there. Cause sure. then you're, then you're able to see it objectively and like map out a plan, like whether it's like a three month plan, six month plan, a year, five year, like lifetime goals. Um, but it makes it a little less like overwhelming, which yeah. a lot of us can feel sometimes because it's like, why are we here on this earth? That is yeah. such a high pressure question. I don't recommend <laughs> that to anybody, but you can figure out what you like to do along the way. <laughs> awesome. I, I, I took a lot away from that answer myself, because <laughs> especially the, the, those, like those three pillars, um, it's, that's definitely going to change how I like even approach just this show and my own and the content that I try and produce for the company. Cause I'm their social guy and, and my yeah. own, like, is this, what what is the goal with this social media post? Am I trying to educate? Am I trying to get? And it can go a little more detailed, like oh, I'm trying to get them to click on this or whatever. But the those broad categories, I feel like mm -hmm. I I can say for my own self, I haven't been consciously thinking of those. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that's great. I think that you've been doing it for a long time. And it really, again, it takes a lot for you to self-reflect and like ask those questions, right? So like even like knowing ahead of time what you're talking about really helps too. Like 
actually put, putting into practice when I was hosting for NAB Show Live um, this past year with NAB, um, we kind of wanted to generate the topics ahead of time so we wouldn't have 10 people that were talking about the same things. And so because of that, I had to really focus and ask my guests what we're going to talk about ahead of time, which mm -hmm. actually helped better in promotions because it's not just like we're talking with Iderstein. It's like, we'll see how she turned her like passion into profit or mm -hmm. something like that. And people are like, oh, I want to do that too. So being able to like actually promote a show with the actual topic at hand um, would make people click on it more. Because if you're just saying like, I have a Q&A with I Justine, like her hardcore fans are going to go no matter what. But I'm talking about the other people who may yeah. not be familiar with who this person is. What is that thing that will draw outside newbies in and it's like well everybody always wants to know how to make more money <laughs> so right. you know it's like the honey or the money right they, they say like the two things in life or the other things that are like inevitable in life is death and taxes so That's like right. you know if you're talking about things that are like highly like you know it's like a for sure shoe in like that that helps too when you're trying to craft your topics yeah Awesome. Well, all right. So that does bring us quite a bit over our hour. I appreciate you, you <laughs> taking a little extra time with us today. Um, thank you so much for for joining us. This was this was great. Before we before I do my my habitual outro, is there anything you want to shout out or or mention or tell anybody before we go? Oh my gosh! Well, thank you, Houston. First of all, for being such a fabulous host, I enjoyed oh. my time with you today. Thank you to everybody who watched this live time. I really enjoyed seeing your comments. I was trying to like not look back and forth, but <laughs> um, definitely, please connect with me. Um, I do a live show on Amazon every Tuesday at seven PM. We talk about tech, uh, about any kind of thing, and if you have a topic that you would like me to cover, um, I would definitely love to feature you. So please join me on my Amazon. Um, I also have a tech channel on YouTube and two personal, I, uh, one channel on, uh, two channels on Instagram. One's more personal, everyday mm -hmm. life. I live in my stories. And then also, if, if you want more tech stuff, I also have my Instagram technically speaking. But ultimately, like, I think um, I would love to continue supporting you on your journey as a creator. Um, I also am teaching a boot camp on how to live stream and also how oh, to yeah. work with brands and get paid. Um, so that's March 10th to the 13th called the Visual Storytelling Conference. So I'll have all these links um, eventually, like on my technicallyspeaking.com website. But um, other than all the stuff to get to know me, I also want to give a huge shout out to Puget Systems oh, for man. even sending me, we didn't even talk about this, a beast of a machine, 4K video editing. Uh, I mean, got an RTX, what, 3090? Um, so I've just been learning a lot more about the PC world, and I'm so incredibly grateful. And please watch our interview. Uh, I actually yeah. interviewed the president of Puget Systems, John Bach, and it's on my Technically Speaking channel. Um, I take you behind the scenes of how your PC is actually made or how my PC was made. And we went through the, the warehouse to see all the pieces and the parts. And um, it was a really fun uh, interview because I got to fly out to the headquarters and actually do a sit down interview with the president. So if you haven't, if you're new to me, please start with that video first um, as well. So we can like see how Puget Systems and I tie in together. But I really yeah. want to thank Puget Systems for being so generous and being such an awesome partner. Oh, thanks. You've been wonderful to work with you. And I, I appreciate, I, I get super inspired from your social media stuff. Um, 
and, and so <laughs> I want to thank you for that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you again for joining us, Nikki. Um, taking time out of the day to share your unique perspective on things. This was uh, this was really great for me. I, I hope for the audience as well. I want to thank the audience yeah. as well for tuning in. Uh, we do this almost every Wednesday. More more Wednesdays than not. Um, sometimes I have to skip one because of scheduling conflicts. <laughs> and um, but, yeah. but mark your calendars Wednesdays uh, at 1 p.m. Pacific on YouTube, Twitch, and LinkedIn, and I think Twitter as well. I try, but the two big ones, Twitch and YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tune in for that. And uh, thanks you all for for joining us. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.